Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at the aforementioned Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here, as always, with my friend, my colleague, my co-host, Ross Ferguson, academic advisor. Who also works and studies at the aforementioned Midwestern okay. Seminary. Do we want to keep saying Midwestern Seminary St- as many St- times? Yes, I think they probably would okay. like us to. Right so, now. yeah, we are in Midwestern Seminary. Not only are we in Midwestern Seminary, I think we're the only two people in Midwestern <laughs> no, Seminary. I did, I did see security walk by. Okay, security's here. Um, it is the—it's not the crack of dawn, but it's dark, it's dark outside still. Well, I was, I it's was before the it's crack before of dawn. dawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to give the impression that like we're here at like 4 a.m. or anything. It feels it's, like it. <laughs> it does feel like it. We're here early. No one else is here. Thank goodness I had keys to get, to get us where we needed to go. Uh, but we're in the Spurgeon studio, and it's dark outside. The Spurgeon library is dark. It's just us and security. Just being faithful to the podcast, man. <laughs> and I feel like this is when our voices are at the best. Like, they're deep. They're, you know, mm, sultry, deep voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what makes it doubly hard to be up this early this morning is that we were out late last night. We were. We went to see the movies. This is the second movie that we've seen together. <laughs> And the contrast between the two is significant. <laughs> One of these days we're going to see some kind of award-nominated f- film, but the first movie we saw together, including your whole family, yeah. was The Minions. The Rise of Gru. The Rise of Gru, the Minions movie. And last night we saw the movie that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. on today's podcast, The Jesus Revolution. I think I, I think it's just called Jesus, Jesus Revolution. Revolution. Yeah. yeah, so drop the the. the, the. Yeah. So there's some follow-up on this because one of the most – commented on episodes that we've done (laughs) in the last several months, if not the last year, was the episode on Christian movies. Mainly people saying you were wrong. No, that's actually not true. Most of the feedback, (laughs) maybe to you personally, most of the feedback that I have seen both publicly and privately, the vast majority has been on my side, that Christian movies are bad, that Ross is out of his mind. (laughs) But but you should see the masses behind the scenes that are mm. unwilling to you know be berated with their view and just wanted to quietly okay. say to me, do you know what Ross? I agree with you. Christian movies are excellent. The quiet majority, the <laughs> silent majority, is that what it is? Well, it's like when we're at the the theater last night and the advert comes up and they say, you know, millions of card holders. I leaned into my yeah. wife and went, millions, really? <laughs> like that's quite an impression they're giving. So mm. I'm going to say. Millions okay. of people. No, there wasn't. Yeah, like I don't know about A couple millions. of dozen, maybe. Yeah. So we had a difference of opinion on, uh, or just a difference of appraisal <laughs> on Christian movies. You like them. You 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 came around to admitting that they're not great quality-wise, but what you're looking for in those kinds of yeah. movies, they hit that yeah, note. They, they make you feel good. Christian movies take a box. Not every box, but they take a box. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I saw the trailers for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I see movies like every week. We're big movie people. So we were at the theater. The trailer for this aired. Mm. And I turned to her when the trailer was done and I said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that actually looks good. Like it could be good. Normally, I can't even stand the trailers for Christian movies. I find them maudlin and sappy and they're just, they're just dumb. And I've actually walked out during a Christian movie trailer. Oh, wow. Because I had seen it so many times, and it just made me so angry that I was like, I'm going to go get popcorn or something. I can't even watch this 
preview. So I had some high hopes coming in. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were having dinner beforehand before we met y'all, and she said, even if you like this, you won't admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true, because I'm pretty sure in that podcast you said all Christian movies yeah. are bad. Yeah. So the fact that you're even saying that I like a trailer, to, to be honest, before we even go forward, I feel like you need to kind of maybe apologize for <laughs> just how severe Hey, you this were. is a broadcast medium. We deal in hyperbole <laughs> from time to time. I think I acknowledged some exceptions in our podcast, did I not? And it just happens to be this one, I'm (laughs) I'm assuming. I think it's one of the exceptions that maybe proves the rule. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I'm tipping a hat here to say we both liked this movie. Yeah, yeah, I I really liked it. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, so you start. Tell me what you liked. Mm -hmm. What was your general impressions of Jesus Revolution? I mean, the first thing, if if we talk about the, the specifics of how it was made and just the quality, like before you even get into the storyline, just the quality of filming, the actors were good. It wasn't cheesy or corny. It felt real. Like it felt like yeah. a, a biography was before us. Um, it didn't feel just kind of like a few actors in a room wanted to get a message across. It, it didn't feel like that. Um, particularly, I think the key thing I enjoyed, I, I mentioned this as we left the theater last night, is that if you've had any form of kind of connection with ministry life, just mm-hmm. any form of serving in a church or, or really even just being a member of a church for a while, some of the scenes just really hit hard in terms of just emotions. And some of the scenes, like I, I couldn't help but laugh. Um, I, I think I may have laughed a little too loud in, <laughs> in, in, while watching it. But just I, I think it drew so much reality like I could actually believe this most Christian movies you you don't really believe because you know it's like hey you just got a pickup truck because you prayed for it you know it's that kind of like this didn't seem like that it seemed a lot more real tangible and actually life lessons were able to come very quickly to mind which is kind of the opposite of what I look for in a Christian movie okay Um, but in some senses this one was touching a different Cord, really. Yeah. Let's take a step back. For those who may be unfamiliar with the movie, maybe mm. they've even seen the trailer and just weren't clued in. It's based on real stories. It's yeah. a historical sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a biopic. I guess maybe it's a biopic. But it follows real people. And it's loosely based on, or it's based on a book partly written by Greg Laurie of Harvest Church in, in, in California about his experience. It's about the Jesus movement mm. and the rise of the Jesus people. It starts in 1968, and it follows mainly two sort of parallel stories before they converge. One is the young Greg Laurie and his search for meaning and his search for what he eventually realizes is his search for God. Mm. But in the beginning, it's sex and drugs. It's the hippie lifestyle, basically. Um, The unconventional, countercultural sort of thing, dropping out of military school, troubled background, family background, and falling in love and just trying to medicate his Mm. pain through all sorts of things. The other story is Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel. Chuck Smith is played by Kelsey Grammer, Mm. probably the strongest actor in the movie. But the others were not really weak at all. Like you mentioned, the acting is actually above. Yes, (laughs) it is above par in this, uh, or below par in this uh, this movie. So it's really great work. So Chuck Smith pastoring uh, Calvary Chapel, he's introduced to this fellow named Lonnie Frisbee who is not only a a dropout into the hippie culture, but he's dropping out of the hippie culture in some sense. Uh, He comes from the Hyde-Ashbury district in San Francisco. He's done sex, drugs, and and rock and roll and all that sort of thing. And he's found Jesus, and now he becomes this sort of hippie peasant philosopher preacher who wants others to know about Jesus, and he introduces 
Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel to the possibility of opening their church doors mm. to hippies. Mm. And, of course, this becomes a big um, controversy for some of those who are established in the church, but it becomes a great uh, open door of welcome, not just to hippies into Calvary Chapel, but young people encountering Jesus in fresh new ways. And this begins, of course, to spread across the country. And now I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's the basic story of the Jesus people. This is contemporary Christian music comes out of this movement. Some of the stuff that we enjoy just in church ministry today uh, in modern evangelicalism had kind of a resurgence. Mm -hmm. Expository preaching, verse-by-verse preaching was a, a hallmark of the Calvary Chapel, kind of, or is a hallmark of the Calvary Chapel movement. Uh, the Vineyard Movement came out of this stuff. And so it's just a fascinating kind of look yeah. into this slice of history. But that's the basic story. We're saying it's a good movie, yeah. actually. Yeah. And some of the scenes, honestly, were absolutely hilarious. And yeah. some of the scenes, I, mean, I kind of laughed before we went in. Jared didn't actually believe it, but I cry in in, in many <laughs> movies. And we came out the, the theater and he said, uh, so uh, any tears? And I was like... Yeah, I, I was crying my eyes at mm. most of the film. There were several scenes where I was like in floods of tears, several scenes I was laughing uncontrollably. It, the emotions played in this, which is that, you know, you've, you, you're taking something that is kind of semi-broken, it's not really working, and then you move it into this incredible thing, and then that incredible thing hits some challenges. The emotions, the, the ride on it, was just excellent in, in yeah. terms of showing it. And even more credence to it, the fact that this is based on real information, real real knowledge of something that happened. Yeah. It starts really strong. It really does. So when yeah. I sat down and I was like, you're going to have to convince me, movie, in the first five minutes that you're that I really am not going to be rolling my eyes the whole time. And it starts really strong. The, in fact, I think maybe the first act is probably the best mm. part of the movie, at least the tightest in terms of, uh, of execution. The soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. So, you I know, I'm a child of, of the 70s and 80s. This is really kind of my parents' generation, but I was born in 75, kind of grew up in the shadow of the Jesus music, and as a young man, got really interested in this uh, time period and about the Jesus movement in particular. Loved all the music from that time period, second chapter of Acts, love song, uh, Larry Norman, Keith Green was huge yeah. for me. Uh, and they, you know, Love Song is in the movie, the genesis of kind of the original Christian rock band is <laughs> was Love Song. Of, that was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sing their song and Kelsey Grammer playing Chuck goes, you know, let's give up for a love song. And he's like, you know, this is. This is incredible. I've never been in a church before. <laughs> That's right. And then he's like, uh, and this is the last time, you know, my drummer's here because he's got to serve out his, you know, drug rehabilitation. He's got a drug to serve out. <laughs> and yeah. it's just when he said that, everyone's like, righteous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was very well, fun. So you, we could tell also the budget on this thing had to be decent mm, for mm. a few reasons. Just the soundtrack alone and not just the Christian music, but – Edgar Winter Group, yeah. and I mean, there's music from the era that's in it that I had to imagine that costs money. There's a Fleetwood Mac song in the end. I told yeah. you know Becky on the drive home. I was like, I don't know what it costs, but that song alone to me would be would have to be expensive to get a Fleetwood Mac song in the movie, which is just telling me. I mean, that may not be significant to people who are listening. Who cares about that? But it couldn't have been cheap, which means that there had to have been a big budget. And the other way you see that is so often in, in these kind of movies, not just Christian movies, but low-budget movies, you'll see like if it's a period piece, takes place in the 60s or whatever, it very clearly looks like they're on a set yeah. 
that has been decorated with some things. This movie actually feels like it's in 1968. Um, The props, the scenery, the automobiles, like they spent some money on this thing and it pays off because it actually looks authentic. Yeah, I was saying even the cars and the homes, they weren't like that. Everything looks perfect because it's in, we're looking back. It it was, again, there's a wonderful scene with a car where he prays over the car. And again, as you look at that car, you think actually that's what the cars probably looked like back then in terms of just generally quality. But yeah, I agree. I think the other thing I picked up on was just the quality of cameras they were clearly using. Because again, Christian movies have And how they use them. I've got this in my notes as well. Yeah, Yeah. Christian movies tend to just cut from scene to scene and the cameras kind of look awkward and and they've got awkward angles. And where this felt like, I'll use this phrase, it felt more Hollywood-esque in terms of its filming. Yeah, they knew how to frame the camera. They knew how to position the camera. Um, there were some scenes I thought, that's eh, a little maudlin or overwrought, but I thought yeah. you would see this in a Hollywood movie that wasn't, you know, an Oscar-nominated movie yeah. either, you know. So I kind of cut some slack there. But you're right. There's so much that in Christian movies, you maybe they don't know what to do with the camera. They just yeah. sort of set it up and they film the scene in this box yeah. sort of. And here you could really see there was some photographic work mm-hmm. that was put in and some thought put in. The pacing of the movie, mm-hmm. I think, especially in the first half, was really strong. The kind of balance between comedic scenes mm-hmm. and dramatic scenes. I felt like in the second half of the movie, it was dramatic scene after dramatic scene after dramatic scene. And it was kind of like, all right, I, yeah. we see what you're doing. It kind of dragged a little bit for me. But, I mean, it, that's just nitpicking. I've got yeah. I've got nitpicks, but that's really what they are. And I can nitpick any movie, yeah. you know? I mean, there's certainly scenes through it. I was kind of thinking, mm, we could have dealt with that in a different way. Yeah. Um, specifically his baptism, uh, Greg's baptism scene where he goes below the water. I I, I I like the scene in the sense of it's, it's you know, dying to the old self, bringing the new life. And, and there is a moment where that happens when he comes out of the water. But when he's in the water, it just kind of felt a little bit too cheesy the way they kind of played it. He's like it. sinking he's down. He's like sinking down. Whatever, yeah. and, and then he suddenly feels the light and he shoots up like kind of like Superman style yeah, type yeah. thing. And I was just like, ah, that felt a little cheap, you yeah. know? So there was, a, there was definitely a few scenes as you go through that you're kind of like, mm, this seems like it's playing the Christian card off, yeah. you know, getting audiences in. I agree the second half... Yeah, it, it, it was heavy and specifically just the scenes with his, uh, Greg's, with his mother. I mm-hmm. felt like there could have been more done there. Then maybe that would have dragged the story out a little bit more. But that, that one of the yeah. questions I have for you is in terms of looking at the scenes, what would be the like the, the funniest scene and, and then the kind of most, most touching scene in terms of emotion for you? Oh, my word. Funniest would probably just be the first maybe eight minutes, 10 minutes yeah. where you're introduced to Chuck Smith and his family and then Lonnie's introduced into the like that whole yeah. uh, series of 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 events the kind of clash of cultures yeah. and oh there's a hippie in my living room kind of you know um, they played it really well yeah. it, it could have been it could have been corny yeah and maybe to some ears it would be corny but I, I've got a pretty sensitive corny meter and I thought it was funny I thought it was well written. And there were moments like that throughout, particularly with with Lonnie. I mean, yeah. they really just play him up as this, like, just all shucks, you yeah. know? We just have all things in common, man. This, yeah. this is what we're doing. It's like a couple of times, like, he yeah. was like, far right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he really played There were a it. couple of times, too, with the older church members who didn't <laughs> like the hippies yeah. that I thought, okay, this is going to get 
kind of cheesy. Yeah. They're going to play them as these sort of stereotypical villain things. But the writing was good enough that it kind of kept it, I yeah. think, from going there. Emotionally, I don't know that the scene that touched me the most would be the same for everyone. I'm mm-hmm. thinking that there are folks who would probably identify with the relationship between Greg and his mom and just the pain there and 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 the hurt there. I'm sure there would be some who resonate with the tension between Kathy, who is eventually becomes Greg's wife, but his yeah. girlfriend and her father and sort of the, the tension there and, you know, some of that. For me, the touching thing was just pondering the the possibility of opening your door, yeah. your church door, to people that don't look like who's currently yeah. in your church. So I don't know if there was like one scene. I mean, maybe it was the scene where suddenly the the right side of the con- you know of the sanctuary is full of hippies and the left side is full of squares. <laughs> Might have been in that in that moment. Yeah. As I was just thinking through, like, what did it take? It took yeah. church people saying, if we're going to reach these people mm-hmm. that we watch on the evening news and look down on and make snide remarks about, and I just thought, man, we're doing that today. We, we see people on the evening news or on social media, and we just look down our nose at them and make snide remarks about them. What would it take for us to actually reach yeah. them? Yeah. And it would take, in some ways, having our church door open Yes, that when they come in, we're not like, ugh, what are they doing in our church? Or I'm going to yeah. leave if they're in the church. Yeah, And I think that's what kind of got me, Yeah, which we talked a little bit about. About that, we wanted to, and then we thought, let's, let's, let's save, save it, it for, for the today. podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, our characters are slightly different where I don't think you would weep during a movie where I was kind of getting close to that. Yeah. But one of my favorite scenes was when the hippies are, are in, they're in the church, they're having communion, and uh, Chuck goes, you know, uh, this is the this is the cup mm-hmm. for our sins. And Romy, who plays Frisbee, uh, goes, yes, my sins. My sins, like, that's right. <laughs> and like everyone jumps and it's just like this emotion. And then uh, they drink the cup and he leans over and he says, I, I don't think this is wine. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Which That whole scene I just thought yeah. was amazing. But then the emotional scene for me, and, and it's kind of coming on to what you're saying, is um, there's a complaint from a church member uh, that these hippies are coming in with without shoes on their feet, right? And they're going to ruin the carpet. And I, I, I was in hysterics of that because I've served in churches where we, we've had high emotions over the new carpet. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. I leaned over to Miriam, and Miriam was laughing at that point. We we both had a memory in our mind, and in response, Chuck kind of you, you see him kind of wrestling with this thought. And so there's a, then a scene in the next kind of Sunday where there's a long line of hippies and he's at the front door with a bowl of water washing their washing feet, feet as they come into church. And that to me, like I was slowly kind of moving towards tears, just that emotion of, you know, that's how we respond. Who cares about the carpet? Let's, let's wash your feet and then you don't have to worry about the carpet. Yeah. But there's a tiny moment in that where a church member suited and booted, ready to go to church, steps over Chuck and walks past him. And it was just that thought of this kind of, the kind of, I've been here for years and you're doing this weird thing and I'm just going to step over you. Yeah. And then you've got this long line of people having their feet washed as they come to church. For me, the emotion in that, uh, I, I felt quite, like I, I almost couldn't concentrate. That thought of, we always think about church and, and seats in church and who's coming to church. And I, I the thing that just kept coming through to my head was, are we just seeing the same people coming to church? The same people like us, dressed like us, sound like us. Mm. And 
as you say, what would it take for us not to have that? And Miriam and I uh, have had an experience like that in our in our last church we served in. Uh, we, we served in a relatively kind of poor area. The church membership themselves was kind of slightly older and more middle class. And over a period of kind of three years, we opened the church doors to those that are homeless with addictions, uh, those that had suffered abuse. And our church membership and our attendance changed dramatically. Um, I still remember a Christmas day where we had a lawyer next to a doctor, next to someone that had just come out of prison, next to someone who had just been convicted of uh, sexual abuse, went to prison and has just got out of prison. Mm. And when you look out at that and you see everyone sitting there because of Jesus, and that's what unites them, the emotion of seeing that on film and the hippies and the squares coming together, uh, to me was just overwhelming of, ultimately, this is, I believe, what God wants for his church yeah. is that uh, I think there's a scene where Chuck says you are all welcome here those that are broken that door is always open for you and when he said that I just thought but it's not mm. in so many churches and and that just that really hit home to me and I, I was struggling to yeah. <laughs> keep it at bay yeah I thought a lot about that as well because I began thinking you know we recently in the last you know couple of months of this recording at least in in the news is the revival, quote unquote revival. I yeah. don't know, alleged revival at Asbury, and on social media there was just so much debate over yeah. whether this is real or not real, and how will we know if it's real and not real? And and I'm sympathetic to that debate. It's something I've written about in the past as well. How do we know if something is authentically a move from God and and that sort of thing? But I'm also kind of burnt out on the high Calvinistic skepticism yeah. of anything that smells different yep. than what we, yep. than what makes us comfortable. Anything yeah. that makes us uncomfortable, we're kind of like, that can't be, you know, yep. that's probably not from God. And I just thought, how do most of those folks yeah. encounter a movie like this? And would something like this happen again? Could this happen again? And I mean, the, the first answer, the correct answer is, yes, the Holy yes. Spirit can do whatever the Holy Spirit Absolutely. wants to do with, with whoever he wants to do it. But as we examine our own hearts, I'm thinking, what is it that would keep something like this from happening? Yeah. And I don't think it's just that we're unwilling or um, we have a different posture towards those who are not like us. If we had to make a corollary today, like the, it's not the hippies that are out there. And there's some advantage, I think. I mean, this is was really sort of a a sweet spot, or the I mean, there just was a connection because the hippies were looking for spiritual meaning. They yeah. were spiritual people, yeah. And of course, not every hippie comes to Jesus or anything. But there was a a search for meaning, a search for truth. There was still the residual idea of of the idea of God and those sorts of things. That today, that is less the case. And I'm thinking, like, who is it? In, in in the states, at least, that we're trying to reach that would be on the outside. There's more of a hostility towards Christianity in terms of objective truth. Mm. So we, we're almost starting five steps back now. And I, I don't know that it's—we would need not the same methods, a similar heart, but probably different yeah. methods, maybe? I'm not sure if I fully agree with okay. that, that that's not happening in our time. I think there's a great scene at the start where um, Frisbee is, is ex explaining what the hippies are and he's saying they're ultimately searching for God. Yeah. They phrase it in a different way. They're phrasing it, in, they're searching for life, they're searching for truth, they're searching for meaning. But he's saying they're searching for God. They're, they're yeah. sp 
spiritual but looking at the wrong place. And when they find that all that falls flat, all that's left for them is God. And I think that's something that I personally see in our society today, that people are searching for meaning, people are searching for truth, people are saying, you know, I should be able to do this and then I'll feel free if I get to um, be who I want, be with who I want and do what I want, then I will be free. I will have attained the truth of life. And I think from what the, the difference is, I think the hippie movement was more, you know, that kind of love and peace. Everyone's like chill, but there was deep hurt and pain in that. Yeah. I would say now we see the deep hurt and pain way quicker. Yeah. And therefore there's a negative approach to that kind of, well, actually God loves you. I think the issue is the same issue that Chuck's church showed, which is a, just an immediate disdain towards people that are different. And yeah. I don't think that's changed personally. Yeah, I mean, if I'm trying to think of like, what's the population, the unreached population, there might be a movement behind if they were reached by the church. I'm thinking of those just sort of like run over by the new sexuality and, you know, whether it's, trans folks who I think are younger trans people and ideologues in that in that way are running headfirst towards a cliff or or, or a brick wall where the bankruptcy of their yeah. of their ideology is is gonna show itself and there's gonna be a lot of pain and a lot of what do I do now? Yeah. I'm a felt sense of brokenness yeah. when they realize I've mutilated my body or I've given myself for years to this thing and I'm actually more desperate than yeah. I was before. The church along the way, without compromising its position on sexuality, yes. needs to at least have a heart of love for people who are so lost yeah. in this way that when they're now looking, okay, I need something yeah. in my life that they don't go, well, these people have hated me for the last 10 yeah. years, so I'm not going to, I can't go there. Yeah. Will our door be open to people who have mutilated themselves yeah. or allow themselves to be mutilated? I think uh, in the movie, Chuck does a really good job of this where, you know, he is antagonistic at the beginning to hippies. And then they say, well, look at them in a different way, do you yeah. know? And he begins to look at them in a different way. And every time he does that, he wells up in tears. He laughs because he suddenly realizes the beauty that is people coming to Christ. But through it, you can tell he's also the strong guy trying to hold to scripture. But he keeps yeah. coming back to the scriptures. He keeps saying, you know, this is life in, in, in God's word. Even when Frisbee starts to kind of go wayward, he's the guy that kicks back in and goes, hey, what are you doing? Even you might need to think about moving on. Yeah. And even towards the end of the movie, you're starting to see him again kind of saying, actually, I made mistakes. Let's, let's keep coming back to Christ and his word. And I think that is key in, in anything like this is that we have to hold to God's word. But do we look at people in the right way. Yeah. And I, and just as you were saying, like, what would it take for a church? In all honestly, like even in our situation and wherever the listeners are in, in your church, what would it take for the group that people have disdain for to come into your church and really truly love Christ? And that might yeah. be the sexuality issue. That might be those that are homeless. That might be those that are middle, upper class, really wealthy and just don't really care to life. And, you know, they just pay their way through. That might be students in a, in a kind of college town and your church is not known for that. Mm. Um, you know, what would it take? And 
from from what the film is kind of portraying, what it would take is a deep, deep love for Christ and a deep love for the lost. And then I would say the third, which is a reduced care for the building, for the carpet, <laughs> for your way of doing things. And th that's where a lot of emotions came for me over this movie of just, actually, what am I doing that thwarts that? that thwarts yeah. people coming into the church, the way I dress, the way I sound, the language I use in church, the environment we're in, you know, how would our church respond if just five homeless guys came off the street and just said, hey, we want to hear some truth. Where would we sit them? Mm. How would we speak to them? Would we allow them near our children? Do you know, oh, you have to sit in the back row because there's kids in there, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, I think this movie really touches on that. That if you if if you want to see gospel spread to what we've really seen historically through the years, we kind of kind of have to get over ourselves. That that that's the yeah. the scenes in the church I love. It was you know like if you don't change, I'm going to leave, and it's we're going we pay your bills. You know we pay right. your salary, and I've heard that so many times. <laughs> do you know, um, and just those scenes of the church fighting against what is a clear gospel movement at the time just seems so crazy that yeah. it was right before them and some just walked out of the church because the carpet might get damaged, you know? Yeah, you know, and I'm, at the same time, I want to put myself in their shoes too and just <laughs> think of like, how clear was it to them? I, I really think this takes courageous leaders. Mm -hmm. if, if we ask like, what would it take to see something like this again? To hear something like, hey, we pay your salary. And keep and, going. And to keep going yeah. to say, there's some things that are more important. And to trust that the Lord really is doing something in yeah. it. And it takes, as you said, a heart to the, you know, for the lost. It, it takes really commitment to the gospel to say, Christ came and said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. Mm -hmm. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Yeah. And to say, I want to be so aligned with Jesus that I'm going to have my eyes open and my hand out to those in the margins, to those who are downtrodden, to those who most evidently need my help. Yeah. And yet, there is when you bring messy people into the church, the church gets a little messy. And I, I want to sympathize, maybe not empathize, but I want to sympathize with those that there's things that we that I would critique. Uh, maybe not we, but I would critique polity wise about what's come out of yeah. this and what was happening. It's like, man, you're baptizing people. Are they becoming church members? Is there? I mean, I, 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 thought, I thought that as well. A lot of baptisms. Yeah, so Pirates I'm going to quibble with the polity. So that's a little messy. It's kind of, you know, are they covenanting together? Are you responsible for them? Is there church discipline taking place? All these sorts of things. Or is it just sort of like, hey, we're going to feel it out according to the yeah. spirit. And like, well, the spirit's given us parameters on how to, you know, conduct the church. So I can understand a little bit of the discomfort with these things. I just think also, if this is to happen again, those of us who are part of the establishment need to be prepared for real gospel work yeah. gets some dirt under the fingernails. You know? I, I mean, I would 100% agree with you. I think the issue is that's not actually when, when these types of people, and I say these types, I mean, my dad was one of these types. Yeah. He was a drunk that came to church and weeped in church for a couple of weeks before he came to Christ. Like, Ultimately, he was one of these guys. We were that family that didn't fit in. And and the issue is not, I think, the theological side, because I think that's interesting in this film. Yeah. They don't really touch on the fact that the members had a theological difference. Yeah. They had a, an issue with the people. Right. And I think if our churches are strong theologically and we hold to good doctrines and, and we hold to the polities that we agree with, 
The question is, what else do we elevate to that level? And I think yeah. this movie really does a good job of, it's the carpet. It's the the way that people look. It's the fact that people are not wearing shoes. Like in all, in all seriousness, in our church or any church that the listeners are in, if 10 people turned up and they didn't wear shoes in the service, how would you respond to them? Mm. And my question from this movie is, does it even matter? Right. Like, does it matter if they dress differently, wear different shoes? Man, at my church plan, I preached barefoot every, every single week. The no. preacher didn't wear shoes. <laughs> so you were the one. <laughs> I was the hippie. But, uh, I mean, it is just one of those things of, I, I, I agree with you that we should sympathize to some extent because it feels like everything you know in church is changing. But when you peel it back a little bit more in the movie, what they taught didn't change. And I think we should touch on the kind of negatives towards the end of the movie. But what they were teaching at the start of the movie wasn't changing. Yeah, It was still love for Christ, still love for people. What was changing is the type of people that were in their building yeah. and how their building was being used. And I just, I look at our church situation and I'm not meaning ours in our own church we're attending now, but just generally, I think that's the main issue is that if someone walked off the street, if uh, an ex-convict came in, if broken homes were in your church, if they wore different clothes, sounded differently. Uh, I, I was uh, at a church where somebody was still struggling with addiction and they were a Christian, very clearly come to Christ, but the addiction was just still kind of hanging around and they were dealing with it. How do we handle those people? And again, as I say, the movie does a great job, I think, of portraying really, truly how we actually do handle those people, which is usually with disdain. Yeah. I was struck by, apart from even who the population of, of people coming in is, you had a struggling church, small church. You know, his daughter at one point even says to him, like, you're always concerned about it. The church is empty. It, this is, is this not a way to fill it? Any church struggles with growth, an established church in particular, I guess I should say, because you cannot grow and not change. Agree. Yep. Growth always brings change. And, you know, in this case and in others, where the growth is coming from will dictate what that change often looks like. Mm. At my last church, we weren't bringing in hordes of hippies or anything like that. <laughs> um, we had a few ex-hippies um, and, you know, a few granola types. Um, but we were growing. And yeah. as you as we grew, the church was different. It yep. didn't feel the same anymore. And there were people that did not like that. Yeah. And they all want to grow until they do. Yep. And so that really kind of struck a nerve with yeah. me as well. I was like, man, I, I may not know exactly what it's like to have to convince people to accept, yeah. you know, 200 hippies who want to come into the door. But I do know what it's like to try to pass for people to, to yeah. adjust their discomfort to enjoy mm. the fruit of ministry and yeah. to think, no, this is actually good. It's actually good to change in the right ways, not theologically and that yeah. sort of thing, but it's good to change. It means that we're growing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, the scene where... They move from, <clears throat> see, this is why we shouldn't do podcasts first in the morning. <laughs> My voice is still warming up. <laughs> uh, when they move from the church, because they've been in the church and the church is now full to a tent outside. Yeah. Uh, you know, just even in that, can you imagine, I mean, let's put ourselves in our church. Can you imagine we just said to the church, oh, by the way, next weekend, we're going to be in a tent outside yeah. because God is moving. And you're like, okay, how is that <laughs> going to work out? Do you I know, don't know. I think a lot of people wouldn't mind that, man. Every week. <laughs> Like that's maybe I don't know, uh, and I think that's the thing is yeah. that as churches grow, as you say, you're you're going to have to accept yeah. that the church you knew isn't going to be the church you now know. And the key thing is, 
if you can get to the point where you're like, and who cares because people love Jesus and they're coming mm. to him. Like, and I think that's the, that's what I loved about the kind of Frisbee and his kind of hippie ways of kind of like when taking communion going, yes, my sins. I was like, can you imagine if someone <laughs> yeah, does yeah. that in church, the, the shock of it? And I just thought, because the constraints that we tend to put on and, and we're being clear, we're still theological, we're still holding to good doctrine, we're still preaching the gospel, we're talking about human constraints we put on church life. They really ultimately don't really mean anything. They can yeah. change, they can shift. Who cares if the carpet gets a little bit messy because they brought coffee into the church? It really doesn't matter. Everyone's going to shout stewardship and all this sort of stuff. But again, it's just a piece of carpet, you right. know? Like, And I think, yeah, that scene was incredible. Can we talk a little bit about how it kind of goes wrong a little bit towards the end? Oh, sure. I think the the clear issue here is the church grows dramatically and Frisbee doesn't seem to really cope well with that. And yeah. it, it becomes all about him. Um, I wondered about, maybe you want to speak on that about, <laughs> yeah. this makes it sound like I'm saying it's all becoming about you. That's yeah. not what I'm saying, but do you want to speak on the fact that he kind of got big headed about it? Well, I mean, just about him specifically, there's kind of a gloss. I was actually appreciative of what they did do. I thought this whole thing could be like, he was just this um, dynamic hippie preacher guy who, you know, helped you know, start this movement and it's, and it's all the, the bright spots. Yeah. And so I was appreciative of the fact that they brought in, man, this is going to his head. Mm. Chuck Smith at one point, like tells him this, this has become about your ego. Yeah. So there's one moment when the publicity or the, yeah. you know, they're becoming popular and they end up on the Catherine Coleman TV show. Catherine Coleman is, I mean, she's just a heretic. And I was just like, are they trying to endorse like Coleman's thing? Mm. You know? I just, you know, sense that, oh, no, he was just on this show. So yeah. this is a historical thing that happened. But as he becomes more like he starts to do these like faith healing things. And and you're seeing sort of in some ways the seed. Calvary Chapel movement isn't exactly known f- for being uber charismatic or anything, yeah. but but open yeah. to charismatic. They're continuationist, that sort of thing. But the Vineyard movement certainly is. Yeah. And, and to see that Lonnie was, you know, part of the start with John Wimber. They don't even mention John Wimber, but who I think was more, in, you know, he's really the father of the vineyard movement, but that he is instrumental there. You see the seeds of that with yeah. these, like, faith healings. But you see Chuck is, like, yeah. uncomfortable with that. You also and see kind of takes him aside. awkward scenes as well in the sense of— He and his wife are arguing. Lonnie yeah. and his wife have these arguments. You begin to see these, like, seeds or uh, streaks of, mm. of ego and vanity, yeah. that there are marriage struggles there. So they don't shy away from, like, no. hey, this is a, a, a problematic guy or at least a, a complex guy. Yeah. They don't really delve into the fullness of the no. problematic guy that Lonnie Frisbee was. And it, depending on which historian or biographer that you're listening to, he either struggled with homosexuality or actually had a hidden gay lifestyle that he kept separate. That So he wasn't really struggling per se, but yeah. was sort of partitioning it off from his ministry life. Had affairs with, you know, had gay affairs with guys in the church and in the movement and that sort of thing. They don't. They don't touch on any of that. It doesn't appear at all. In no. fact, even at the end, when they have the credits at the end to kind of see what happens in the future, yeah. they don't say any of that, and it's just kind of smoothed out of. And this happened, and this happened, and and they yeah. continued in this. They reconciled, um, and he and, finished and, doing and it, ministry, and everyone and moved on, and, <laughs> right. and he died. You yeah. know, like it's it, there is no there's no real detail of that. One of the things my wife and I were saying when we were driving home, and and this is not to condone sin, but this is to remind us 
that God uses broken people. And yes, uh, Frisbee kind of jumps off the cliff in terms of his issues. Even Chuck at times in the movie, you can see he's making kind of poor judgments at times. Greg, the, the young guy, he's making some poor judgments at times. But it's the reminder that God uses broken people for his ministry. And that's not to condone their sin. That's not to say that we should live in that way. It's to say, let's not limit God. And I think one of the things I was struck by in the movie was, and again, we're, we're on a seminary campus. We teach about, you know, scripture, theology, how to be a pastor, how to serve. We, we you know, don't condone the sin. We teach against it. We, we seek our, our students to fight against that sin. But I, I do wonder if we're trying to create almost like perfect pastors, perfect mm-hmm. servicemen, everything's, you know, T's are crossed, I's are dotted, everything's going to be good. We can trust you. You're going to be a good guy, manager, because you've got all the kind of credentials to say you would, and you live that life. And then this movie just kind of contrasts that off. Actually, God will use broken people too. And one of the things I was thinking of is, um, again, just a question, just opening open out in there in the air and to, to think about, when was the last time you heard a pastor kind of admit to just struggles. And I'm not meaning like major disqualifying struggles. I'm just talking about just struggles. Yeah. Struggles with pride. You know, this ministry has grown and I'm I'm finding it hard not to not to think it's about me. Mm. And I think this film really struck that for me off. Broken people serve broken people. Yeah. And broken people are drawn to Christ. Um, yeah. All right, final appraisals. If you're going to give it a grade or a score or a rating of some kind, knowing doing... already that you just love Christian movies and they can be garbage and <laughs> you would we, like it. Are we doing out of 10 or? You do doing... however you want. Um, I, I would give it a kind of eight and a half out of 10. Okay. Um, I, I do think a couple of scenes were a little bit cheesy Christian kind of scenes. Yeah. It does slightly frustrate me that they didn't open up Frisbee's character into some of these issues I kind of understand why they didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and I agree the second half just ever so slightly dragged. But on a whole, I think it's a great movie. If we judge a movie based on emotions, I, I was laughing throughout. I was crying throughout. I felt it. Um, I felt good and I felt bad through it. Um, the filmmaking was good. So yeah, eight and a half. And it's just basically because every movie kind of has a few things you have issues with. So I think sure. it's excellent. Okay. You should go and see it. What about you? Yeah. I, I think you, I think people should go see it as well. I don't rate it as oh, high as you go. do. Of course not. But it's a Christian <laughs> no, I mean, movie. It yeah. can't get above six. No, <laughs> it's above six. Okay. I would probably give it a C plus. I give it a high, high, like, you know, 78 out of okay. 179, something like that. So in my scale, that's 7.8 out of 10. Well, I, so I'm, yeah. So what I would say is, and I think I put this on Twitter when we got home, um, that number one, I thought it was good. Mm. Compared to every other Christian movie, this thing is Casablanca, man. This <laughs> this thing is Citizen Kane. Uh, it's com- comparatively, it is really good. I would say comparatively, it is excellent. Yeah. It would be, but just as a film, I'm saying it's good. You should go see it. And if you want to see Christian movies actually improve mm-hmm. in quality, you need to go. And you see have it. to support movies yeah. like this. And I, I think I did see that uh, the studio Lionsgate that produced this, this is the highest grossing Lionsgate movie in four years or something like that. So we're mm-hmm. on the way. Yeah. Folks are turning out for this thing. And uh, and I hope the success of it actually will you know bode well for the, yeah. the future of Christian movie making. But more than that, brother, I think both of us, we hope folks go watch this and, ha- and do some self-reflection and just think, 100%. what would it take for this to happen? I mean, yes, yeah. a move of the Holy Spirit, but how can I raise the sail for the move of the Holy Spirit yeah. in my own life, in my own church? Yeah. 
in response to what we see here. Yeah. And and if your answer is, I don't want to see this. <laughs> yeah. I don't want this to happen in my church. This is gross. Those yeah. people, they messed the church up or whatever. Maybe some repentance is, yeah. is needed as well. Two very quick thoughts. Yeah. One, try not point your finger at your church. Mm. As in the first thing I thought of was we've got to make sure that we're not just saying, oh, my church was like that. No, yeah. don't do that. Self-reflection. Second, you heard it here, folks. Jared likes a Christian movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and on that note, if you like this podcast, please let us know. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.